What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. It's a Thursday here on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. And of course, that means it's time to get riled up on the Cowboys with my man Tom Ryle at Tom Ryle BTB on the Twitter sphere. And of course, your boy Roy White at RW3 also on the Twitter sphere. And a lot to get to, Tom, because we got a short week for the Dallas Cowboys, Thanksgiving week. And we all know what that means. They get to interrupt our turkey thanksgiving i don't know about you tom um my thanksgiving feast always has the cowboys game in mind and with that being said the idea is to get the dinner started at about two o'clock that way everybody's comfortable and has enough time by three to get their positioning in and get situated for game time how about you yeah that's pretty much my schedule for tomorrow is to get the get the food on the table at about one thirty or two. And that way we don't have to rush through it and get set up to sit down and watch the Cowboys hopefully come back big and stomp the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. Well, they did it once before uh, the Atlanta Falcons coming off of a big loss against the Denver Broncos and they put it on them, right? A 40 burger, the defense held up and only allowed a field goal in that game, but it's a little bit different of a feeling for me with the Cowboys coming off of this loss against the Kansas City Chiefs. Number one, because of the loss itself, while the Broncos game was one that came as a bit unexpected to most of us, Cowboys fans, both prognosticators and the fan base in general, I think that this game was a little bit more understanding in terms of the result. Now, if you'd have told me the way the game was going to go and the way that it went, I would have told you, I don't think there's any way that the Chiefs defense can hold the Cowboys offense to just nine points. And for that reason, I suppose we have some reasons to be concerned. But having said that, Tom, I am one of those, and I think I'm in the minority of the Cowboys fan base that actually looked at that loss against the Kansas City Chiefs and took as many positives away from it as potentially negatives. And I think you share that opinion. Yeah, um... I, to, to an extent, that's true because, first off, the defense was good. They had an opening drive they gave up where Kansas City just marched down the field. Um, and, but after that, you know, they, they gave up 12 points, uh, you know, a touchdown and two field goals, basically. And uh, – or actually 13 points because they, uh, they missed the extra point after that initial drive. And, and – I mean, Micah Parsons is just a football god. I mean, he was just – he was – once again, he was brilliant. And the defense just held him and got a couple of turnovers, gave the offense opportunities. The failure in the game was a breakdown of the offense. Last week when we were looking ahead to the Kansas City Chiefs game, 
I don't believe they knew about Amari Cooper's COVID thing yet. I think that cropped up uh, right after our podcast uh, went live, I believe. I did. And so um, that was an unknown. We didn't know that was going to happen. And then, of course, second half, they lost C.D. Lamb uh, for the entire half. And so they really were dealing with, uh, you know, mostly just the second stringers, wide receivers. Michael Gallup was back in his first game back. Uh, and it was oddly something that happened. The very first play of the game, as you remember, Dak him went, wide open. Yeah, he, they had Gallup wide open for a big gainer that was going to get him like to midfield on the first play at least. And Dak overthrew it. And that seemed to kind of set the Cowboys back a little bit. And I don't think they ever really regained their footing. And, and Dak was clearly struggling. Uh, you know, we've talked about uh, on the, the live stream that, you know, the win was a factor for him. But I also, you know, we also saw drop passes uh, that he, when he did get it to the receivers. So things just weren't clicking. The, uh, the running game didn't get going. They're going to need to get that taken care of. And can we admit that maybe the Connor McGovern experiment was a little bit too fast coming, that they might have been better uh, if they left Connor Williams in with Tyron, with Tyron Smith going out? Now, I think they actually anticipated that Tyron was going to be playing while they went ahead and made the McGovern move. And then when they decided that Tyron Smith needed another, another game off, it, it just was out of sync. I mean, even Zach Martin got beat for a sack. So it just kind of the whole line was kind of in a bit of a funk. Yeah. Everybody other than Tyler Biotis had a hand in allowing a sack against, uh, against them in that game. And that, you know, that kind of broke their back several times. The McGovern decision, while, you know, a head scratcher for me, not ultimately the one that decided this football game in my mind. Um, it is one that I think they should take back and reevaluate going into this game. And especially with the expectation that Tyron Smith looks like he's going to be good to go. Well, with him coming back, I think I would probably pair him up with Connor Williams for now and see how the two, you know, handle one another. Thankfully, yeah. they're not up against a pairing of the likes of Chris Jones and, um, and, and what the, and, and what the chiefs really ultimately had to offer against them, but they're not up against uh, slouches in the likes of Mac, Max Crosby and what the Las Vegas Raiders can bring to the yeah. table. Uh, you did mention Micah Parsons, two sacks in the game, three quarterback hits, making a case um, not only is the runaway defensive rookie of the year, I think that one's probably about in the bag if he hasn't sewn it up already. The question becomes, will he be in the conversation for defensive player of the year? At some point, um, yeah. I, I think the Cowboys defense has the type of matchups as this goes on that he absolutely could be in that conversation, depending mm -hmm. on how the Cowboys, how the Cowboys defense and Dan Quinn decides to utilize. it. Yeah, I'll argue that he actually has entered the conversation. It's not real loud yet, but there are people starting to say, yeah, you know, this may be along the lines of uh, uh, was Lawrence it Taylor. Yeah, uh, I can't remember if that was the last guy to make it. Last one, 1981, the last rookie defensive player to win defensive rookie of the year or defensive player of the year honors. Yeah, but he's uh, 
And while I don't want to say he's the level of player, the, the, the guy that changed the face of the game the way Lawrence Taylor did, there are certainly some aspects to his game that, that are reminiscent. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think he's definitely in it. On the offensive line thing, uh, it has been announced, I believe, already that McGovern is going to get the start again. So they're going to go ahead and see if maybe having Tyron there next to him. But, you know, that's the good news is that Tyron Smith was a full participant in practice. And he is going to be back uh, to start the game. And although I last I heard there was still a outside neurological consult that had to happen, but it looks like C.D. Lamb is going to make it back, which a lot of people were thinking he was going to at least miss this game. Yeah, that one's a weird one to me, only because it feels a lot like the Cowboys organization is speaking that into existence. And what they say on it has zero listen to me folks has zero input as to whether or not he actually passes concussion protocol. So they can have all the optimism they like, and yay, he was listed as a limited participant in practice. They can do that too. Right. And I'm sure um, some of that has to play into why they're so optimistic about it, but ultimately he does have to pass some tests to be able to be good to go here on Thanksgiving day. And You know, it's not 100% up in the air as to whether or not he will. How much does that change the game plan, by the way, for the Dallas Cowboys? Because for me, uh, you know, I wouldn't have said that CeeDee Lamb was the linchpin to make this thing go, but knowing Amari is already going to be out and knowing you will get Tyron likely back, I mean, does CeeDee kind of make the difference for whether or not we feel confident in this offense? No, I. to me, he, he is – He's just another weapon to put out there. Uh, it makes a difference, but it is not the difference maker, I guess is what I'm saying, just to clarify. It just gives them a better chance of having a good game, I think. I mean, and, I think and, for me, I want to say, I think he is kind of a difference maker for me. Not in the sense that, like, he makes the difference mm-hmm. between a win and a loss. He makes the difference between me feeling extremely confident about this offense going up against the Las Vegas Raiders and feeling, uh, I'm not sure how it's going to go, right? Yeah. Be- because Michael Gallup, Cedric Wilson, Noah Brown did not inspire a whole lot of confidence, you know, of, yeah. of taking the mantle as one, two, and three receivers when, yeah. you know, traditionally they've been three, four, and five. Yeah, and they might need to actually consider moving Malik Turner up a little bit in that because he kind of flashed a little bit late in the game. I will say that on the the, the, the concussion protocol, Lamb has completed all but the last step. Uh, so he has gone through all that, and that's, uh, you know, that's, I think, why the team is so optimistic because their own staff has not seen anything. Now they have to get an outside supposedly impartial uh, physician to buy off on it. So we'll find out about that. Uh, hopefully you'll, the listening audience will know shortly after this goes live, uh, mm. the word will come out on that. So we'll soon find out. Uh, but it, whether or not he plays, I still believe that, that with the indoor stadium and with, uh, you know, having Tyron Smith back, which I think is going to help, with 
I, I don't think the Raiders are the level of team that the Chiefs are, but most importantly, Dak Prescott's pissed off. You know, he said so. And I think that is important because I don't know exactly what happened. Uh, he, he, he did talk a little bit about it, and I don't have the qu- exact quote, but when he gets mad and gets focused, he tends to bring something extra to the game, and I think that's going to be the difference maker on offense. And then I think the defense is going to just harass the heck out of Derek Carr because coincidentally, folks, if you look at what happened to the, to the Raiders uh, last Sunday, it was very similar to what happened to the Cowboys. Derek Carr had a very similar uh, poor performance. Uh, the Raiders got beat worse by the Cincinnati Bengals. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that what's going to happen is we're going to see more of the true nature of the two teams. And the true nature of the two teams is the Cowboys are a better team. Uh, you know, I thought that they were going to come in and do well with, uh, with the Chiefs. I was wrong, but like I said, didn't know that Lamari was going to uh, go into the COVID protocol. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not pessimistic at all about this. I'm fairly optimistic that they're going to manage to get a win. Um, I do think it's a win they need to get, though. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, that, I mean, I guess my optimism stems and, and the Cowboys seven and a half point favorites in this mm-hmm. game, right? So they're comfortable favorites in this game against a Raiders team who looked like they were going to be a formidable opponent a couple of weeks ago when they were five and two. Now, having lost three straight, including, as you mentioned, a blowout loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. Prior to that, they got blown out by the Chiefs, and they also lost to the abysmal New York Giants three weeks ago. I mean, it's not as scary of a, of a team that they're bringing to town. I agree with you. I feel like the defense can do enough to stand up, but, you know, offensively, right? When I look at the matchup, I didn't think the Chiefs were all that good of a defense, and even without Amari and even without CD and even without Tyron, I would have said to you, I expect the Cowboys to score 30 against that defense. Mm-hmm. So when they only scored nine, I still was left scratching my head a little bit. And I think that is why I've, I've got a little, I've, I've got a little um, hesitation with getting yeah. too excited about this week. Now, I also agree with you in the fact that if Dak Prescott's pissed off, right, it's like my theory of, you know, rolling black several times. Well, it's got to hit red at some point. Same thing with Dak, right? He doesn't lose too many games in a row. He fired off the last time he got embarrassed and fired off a 40-point win against the Atlanta Falcons, right? So he very well could do that same thing again. Will they do that? I think the hope is that they do. But yeah. uh, but is that a guarantee? 
certainly not against a, a Raiders team who, if they're going to stay in it, right, this mm-hmm. is a win they kind of have to have. As I mentioned, yeah. they lost three in a row. They're now five and five. They're looking at another loss being at the bottom of their division, having previously been at the top a few weeks ago. So this is one that they're going to be in desperation mode for. Yeah. Sometimes desperate teams can be dangerous teams, but just as often a desperate team just gets more desperate and, and flounders out there. Uh, it, it's reasonable to have some unease about this, you know, uh, it would be very different if they'd gone in and handled the, the Chiefs. Uh, I think we'd all just be feeling this was just uh, going to be chalked up as a win. But with having come off of that loss, it is it is something that we have to we're going to we've got a little bit of wait and see. I, one thing I'm really you know kind of concerned about that hadn't been talked about so much. Uh, you know, some people though are pointing out, but. What's happened to the running game? Uh, Ezekiel Elliott hadn't had uh, 70 yards in the past three games. That's the first time in his career that it's happened. Now, they they seem to be having a hard time getting the run game going at all. It actually started clicking more later in the game against the Chiefs. But by that time, they were down two scores and trying to catch up. And so they really couldn't rely on the, the run because, you know, you have to worry about the clock and you can stretch more out of the clock when you're throwing the ball. So that's, I think, it's going to be kind of important to see if the run games does start to come up because the Cowboys need that balance, uh, you know. And when I say balance, I don't mean 50-50 run and pass. It's having a credible running game that you can use at times that can get you some good gains on early downs and that can, you know, get those short yardage ones. And every now and then, you know, break off a 15 or 20 yard run to keep the other team having to remember the running games there. So they can't sell out to beat the pass. Uh, that's something I think really needs to happen. Uh, they need to get that kind of solved because that's always, that's been part of the Cowboys. Uh, you know, they've been playing complimentary ball on offense and defense they've also been playing complimentary ball between the running and the passing game and that kind of has disappeared so we need to get that back Uh, we need to see that which i'm hoping they'll do And, and the nice thing i guess something i look at is maybe they don't have to get all of this done as long as they can get one of the elements really clicking I mean, maybe Dak is still not throwing well, but they get the running game going and they don't really need to pass. Or maybe Dak is just marching them down the field with his arm and they don't have to worry about being able to run the ball. And maybe maybe the defense will give them some good field position with some turnovers and maybe even score some points themselves. Well, they're capable of it. We know that to be the case. And they're certainly dangerous enough to be able to to give that option. Who knows? Maybe it'll even come on a special teams, a punt block or something to that effect, because yeah. we know they can do that too. Nation Wright, shout out to you. Uh, Dorrance Armstrong had a nice game here recently and has been getting talked up a little bit. And it's nice to have someone on the defensive line being talked up that's not Randy Gregory or Tank Lawrence or Micah Parsons, because those seem to be the only names that have kind of flashed in any capacity on that offensive, on that defensive line outside of, um, outside of Odigizua who has also been fantastic, just hasn't flashed in the sense of getting sacks and, and getting a yeah. ton of pressures. Um, well, he's a tackle, so you 
don't expect him to be as flashy that way. Yeah, you absolutely don't expect him to be that, but he's been very stout, no question about it. For Ezekiel Elliott and the run game, how much is that knee bothering him? In fact, oddly enough, after taking a shot against the Chiefs and what to yeah. me looked like in slow motion was more of an ankle thing mm-hmm. than it was a knee, personally. I, that, that looked to me, to me like an ankle, but I'm an ankle guy. I roll my ankles every other weekend, it seems like. And you kind of try to bounce back from that. But every time you roll it once, you roll it again a lot easier the next time. So that to me looked like an ankle. And yet no in- injury designation at all for him this week at this point. They've declared him ready to go and, and fully healthy. Are we buying that designation? Because the numbers that you just you know alluded to and what I'm seeing on the eye test doesn't necessarily suggest to me that Ezekiel Elliott is operating at a hundred percent. Well, he said that he's been having some knee pain for a while that when he lands on it, sometimes he hurts, but he's, he just plays through it because you know it's that time of year. Nobody is a hundred percent that's out there playing football. They've been out there for the majority of the games. They're dealing with something. It's a, it's a violent game. It's, it's, it's hard on the body. And you have to be able to manage that kind of stuff and work through it, or you're not going to succeed in the NFL. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. The thing about 100%, he says he's good to go. Um, the team seems to think he is because they're still putting him out there as, as the starter with Tony Pollard, basically the relief pitcher coming in. So, yeah, I guess we're going to find out a lot about that. Uh, I certainly hope he is because, you know, he's he's a key part. The Cowboys need him. He is something that the other teams have to account for. So, yeah, I, I really hope it works out. And I'm not going to pretend I know the answer on that. Well, another thing I'm interested to see in this game, and I'm curious to know who you feel could hurt the Cowboys, right? I, the first guy I think that – comes to mind is Darren Waller, the tight end, who, who's been having a nice little run over the past couple of weeks, but the Cowboys look good the last time they faced a, you know, an outstanding – hell, they actually looked good last week against Travis Kelsey. I mean, he didn't go off um, the way that I kind of anticipated that he would. And two weeks ago when they faced Kyle Pitts, they kind of held him down a little bit. Uh, I'm curious to think – you know, to, to know who, if anybody, on the Raiders concerns you from an offensive standpoint. Uh, it's, it's the pass rush, Max Crosby and the pass rush, uh, because part of the problem last week was that every, it felt like every time that, that Dak went back to pass, there were people like in his lap, mainly oftentimes his own offensive lineman getting pushed backwards almost as soon as he got he took his drop. Uh, and it was very hard. He was having to try to scramble. He couldn't scramble because they were, you know, they were coming up the middle and the ends were closing off the, the escapes. So they've got to slow down the pass rush. I'm hopeful that Tyron will do something there and at least give him that left side that he can roll out to if he has to. I'm hoping that, well, Collins has a better game because he had a poor game. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's, the pass rush is what could hurt them if they don't come up with a, a counter to that. 
Well, Cowboys coming into this game now uh, falling back a little bit in the NFC race. And I want to hit against a narrative that I've kind of been hearing a lot lately, even being pushed by our own guys here at Blogging the Boys, in that these losses don't hurt as much because they're coming against AFC opponents, right? I don't know if you've heard this opinion being thrown out there and I Mm -hmm. somewhat agree with it right I I get the logic behind the fact that hey you know a loss like Tampa Bay had to an NFC opponent is worse than what the Cowboys are dealing with to an AFC opponent but I do want to say this if they don't win this game then they risk basically conceding the one seed entirely And that is because when you look at the Arizona Cardinals and the schedule that they've got remaining, I still have circled on my calendar January 2nd when the Cowboys take on the Cardinals. I expect that game to be for the number one seed in the NFC. But if the Cowboys want that game to mean anything, they've got to win this next group of games that are coming up before they take on the Cardinals because for the Cardinals' sake – This weekend, they get a backup in Andy Dalton and the Chicago Bears. They do have the Rams, although taking them on at home. And then they face the Lions, a a decent Colts team who has actually been playing terrific football here recently, right? And then they get the Cowboys. So it's not exactly a, a, a cakewalk for the Arizona Cardinals before they face the Cowboys, but I just don't want to give them another game in hand which basically means you've got to have them lose a game. Have you win a game somewhere before you face each other for all the marbles there in January? Yeah, I think that's very pertinent. The Cowboys need to, to be winning until they get to that, that week 17 game against the Cardinals. And there's also just the fact that I don't want the Eagles to feel like they have a chance in the NFC East. And right now they, they honestly do. Yeah. They do. They, they're they're on it. They they are basically there's people in their their fan base uh, that are basically saying, "Look, we've got all the games won until we play the Cowboys in Week 18," which is foolish because, as we've all seen, the NFL has just been drunk. And I don't. That may think, be true, but have you looked at their schedule? Yes, I have, and it it's. Basically, they're playing against the rest of the NFC East and the New York Jets. It's pretty cake. Yeah, they play play the New York team, a New York team, three of the next four weeks, and they got two Washington football games smashed in between those, right? So, I mean, combined, their opponents that they're facing over the next five weeks don't even have double-digit wins between them all. Yeah, it's it's a mess. and. I will say that the Giants game may not be as much of a walk because it's possible the Giants offense might actually start getting things right now that a certain former Dallas Cowboys head coach is no longer their offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that, and I, I, I don't want to badmouth that. There's, I, I'm not too sure there wasn't some scapegoating going on with the Jason Yeah, It was, it was weird to see how many Cowboys fans kind of celebrated that thing. Like, I get yeah. you know – I, I get it, right? You still have our baggage that was held over from Jason Garrett. I understand it, but to be cheering the guy, you know, losing his job, right? The only time I think I could cheer that move is when he was let go of the Cowboys, and I thought they would be better off for it. In fact, if I think he's a not very good coach, then I should be booing the fact that they're getting rid of him because yeah. in reality, I think that makes them better. So 
Um, if, if there is any truth to Jason Garrett's responsibility for the offensive's stagnation, and I think he does hold some responsibility in that. I agree with you a little bit of scapegoating there, but I also do think so if it's Jason Garrett and his outdated approach. You know, if I do think he sucks that bad, I kind of wanted to see them keep him. Yeah, I, I can see that. Uh, uh, but I, I, it might be interesting to see. Sometimes when you have a situation like that, a big upheaval, a team does something drastic in the midseason, you'll get this weird bounce effect where all of a sudden they, they come out and play much better than expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I said, I don't think that, that uh, the Eagles can write off any of those games. You know, they've got to yeah. play. I, I think they play Washington twice. They do. They do. And Washington is kind of showing a little feistiness too. So yeah, uh, I do, but mostly I just want to see the Cowboys rack up some wins and, and lock up the NFC East as quickly as they can, just so they don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. I do think, you know, I do think Philly though, uh, that's a playoff team in the NFC. I'm saying yeah, I can now, see them being, I can see them being a wild card. I'm, I'm saying I'm calling it now in November. I do believe that the Eagles will wind up finagling their way into a playoff spot. I hate to say it, but I do think that's the way that it's going to go. So uh, Cowboys taking on the Raiders there at AT&T stadium. Home game for Dallas. I expect it to be a relative home game that's like 60-40 Dallas fans to uh, out-of-town <laughs> Vegas fans because that's a high-priced ticket, and I can understand Cowboys fans wanting to get their money back, right? You pay for three games by selling yeah. the Thanksgiving Day tickets. So I understand the economics of it, but I just don't love the fact that, you know, we're so willing to give up home field advantage for that reason, right? Because it's a place to be seen and uh, to, to see and be seen if you will. So my expectation, Cowboys do get back on a roll against this Raiders offense, whether or not, uh, against this Raiders unit, whether or not they have CeeDee Lamb and Toe is really going to be inconsequential. Dak Prescott's going to throw for three touchdowns. He'll run for one as well. Ezekiel Elliott or Tony Pollard, one of the two, will add one on the ground, and the Cowboys are going to put up a 35 spot, and everybody will feel pretty good about what their offense is capable of once again. Yeah, I'm – I, I called it uh, already in the uh, writer's prediction post. Uh, I'm looking for a 33-16 Cowboys win, uh, you know, where they – I think they're going to be – just not having Amari out there is going to kind of slow down the points just a little bit, but I think they're going to still do quite well And uh, just because I think this is a case where they do have a team that they, they're outmanning. Was wrong last week. I sure hope I'm right this week. Yeah. The one thing I would say to that, though, is that, you know, last week the Amari deal was kind of sprung on them a little bit late. You know, this week they've had an entire week to prepare without him. They've had an entire week really to basically prepare as if they don't have CeeDee Lamb either. So that's Mm -hmm. three practices worth of repetitions for the likes of Cedric Wilson, Michael Gallup. Uh, you know, Noah Brown and even Malik Turner, as you mentioned, to get some familiarity with Dak Prescott. And I think that'll be enough. The other note that I would take as a positive from that KC game, although again, you know, probably came a little bit in garbage time, but they did get Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard involved in, you know, through the air. They combined for eight catches, had about 56 yards between the two of them. You know, that number could be a little bit higher, certainly getting them the ball down the field or get, finding ways to maybe have them on the field together. I hope 
that Kellen Moore does bring a little bit more of that into play. That's the one thing that if I had to make a complaint about what I'm seeing from the offense or not seeing from the offense, I think with these other weapons being out, I would like to see a little bit more pairing of Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott on the field together. I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world, especially when Blake Jarwin and Amari Cooper or CeeDee Lamb may also be unavailable. Yeah, and I will say that I think Kellen Moore kind of got thrown off of his game the worst the worst we've seen this year, that he just couldn't figure out what would work. And it seemed like, I mean, like we said, he put some plays out there like that first place, the first play, the attempt to gallop, mm-hmm. that just didn't click. And I think it was – I think he got a little – was a little frustrated by the fact that he couldn't find things to work. And maybe that had him – reaching into the wrong part of the play sheet at times. I don't know. I'm hoping we see a bounce back from Kellen too. Well, a few more, a few less turnovers from Dak Prescott. Um, and I think the Cowboys will be right back on track where they expect to be. Micah Parsons going to continue to make his defensive player of the year uh, candidacy case in this game. And I expect him to make some splash plays and that should be enough to get the Cowboys back into victory land and have us feeling pretty good uh, as we head into, you know, a game one week later, right? The three games in 12 days that the Cowboys go through every time this year. It's always a talking point. I never understand why everybody makes I, – I get it that it's a tough stretch, right? Yeah. But, but every every team has that yes. around the, the Thursday night game. Almost everybody has to face that. It's just for the Cowboys, it's always at the same time. It's always around Thanksgiving. And before we get out of here – I want to wish you and any everybody that's listening a happy Thanksgiving. I hope you you are blessed and and have a wonderful day. Amen. Yeah, give your uh, loved ones a big hug for us. Thank you so much from all of us here at the Blog of the Boys Podcast Network for listening to our content. We certainly appreciate it, and our families do as well. So I can promise you that. Uh, for for Tom at Tom Ryle BTB on Twitter, I'm Roy at RW3. You can follow our show, of course. And follow all the great content at bloggingtheboys.com. Follow the podcast page. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast page as well as our YouTube channel as we will have live reaction from the game coming up after things are done when the Cowboys take on the Raiders there at AT AT&T Stadium. So until next Thursday, let's go get a Cowboys win. And again, happy Thanksgiving to you. Thanks for listening. Enjoy that turkey. That was a chicken. Gobble, gobble. That's my turkey. Later. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. 
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.